0: just go to cars.com It's magical.
1: Hello
2: and welcome back to another episode of Vikings Happy Hour. Tonight we're recapping the improbable victory over the Bills on Sunday with none other than Ben Gessling of the Star Tribune. Um, we'll also look forward to the Cowboys-Vikings matchup on Sunday and check in on some other Topics as well. So grab your Lake Monster beer and enjoy the show.
1: Welcome to Vikings Happy Hour, where we mix our favorite beverage and the talk of your Minnesota Vikings, Skull.
2: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Vikings Happy Hour. Like I touched on in the pre or the intro there, Ben Gessling will be joining us at around 8 15 to, uh, to talk Minnesota Vikings. Um but before we get there, it's the normal crew. It's uh it's myself, Ryan, Miles, um, and this show and all of our other shows are brought to you by That's Badass Wood Art. You can head over to that's com. get 20% off any one item using promo code CT Pocket, as well as Lake Monster Brewing in St. Paul, Minnesota. They have a great collection of craft beers. Um Head on over there and, and, and pick yourself up some growlers, or crawlers, I guess, uh, for the winter months.
1: guys. And
0: it looks like uh, that's badass wood. It's yeah. already making a Justin Jefferson catch. Uh, As he should, art. man. I'm
1: going to have to cop one of those for sure. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm about to <laughs> snag one of those for sure.
0: Yeah, we're gonna, well, we're going to spend stupid money on that for sure. I don't care yeah. what it costs. Christmas, Christmas it is kind of coming, up. Yeah, yeah. coming up. Yeah, Christmas <laughs> is coming up.
1: What a game. Hey, you were there, you so tell, hey, Matt, so you were there. Can you tell us about yeah. the Because, so oh i'm i'm gonna, I'm gonna be honest, I've never been to u s bank stadium, uh just gonna go on Christmas Eve this year. What? I know I know relax, 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 um, so I'm gonna go on Christmas Eve, uh, thanks to Ryan, hooking that up, but um, what was the atmosphere like, and can you compare it to like u s bank stadium and kind of just in like and you were oh, at the man. Minneapolis miracle too, so like can you compare? Yeah. Like everything, and like how that, how all that shit, the crazy shit was. Dude, Especially as was, a, as, a, uh, as a visitor, as a visitor too. Yeah,
2: yeah. So, so I've been trying to go to away games each year if I can. Uh, we went to the Charger game last year. That one was Thanks super fun. Uh, <laughs> but um, man, I, this one, this one, it it was so. First off, it was cold. It was like super cold. Winter had just hit. I feel like when we got there. Um, I didn't bring a coat, so tailgating was a little chilly. Uh, But the Bills fans in the tailgate parties that you hear about, exactly as advertised. Um, People throwing footballs, playing little games, uh, jumping through tables. You know, it's exactly what you'd think. But then the vibe in the stadium was just electric. And I think it changed overnight, right? Because There was a lot of skepticism coming into the game about whether or not Josh Allen would even play. And then it kind of broke late Saturday night-ish that he was going to probably, um, at least that they didn't activate another quarterback from the practice squad. So then the excitement really started to build. Like, we're going to get a game. Um, You know, the Vikings go down and score. The Bills go down and score. And it just like, it was just so electric. but it really was that fourth quarter, man. Every single play that happened, it was just like you could look in the crowd and there was a section of Bills fans that would just jump and scream and holler. And then the next play, it was Viking fans doing the same thing. And it was it was that way for, I mean, it felt like an eternity. And it was such a roller coaster of emotion. And all of the action towards the end of the game, um, kind of happened down on our end. So like the goal line with Kirk Cousins, um, Justin Jefferson's catch was kind of on our side of the field. Um, it was, it's not obviously, it, it, it can't supplant the Minneapolis miracle for me, but my gosh, from for being an away fan, it sure felt pretty close to to that kind of environment. It it was indescribable. And then you throw in the fact that that uh, was probably 10 beers deep um, if not more, <laughs> and uh, you know, I'm I'm doing the post game show with with Dave and Jason, and and trying to show what was going on, and
1: hey, and yeah, Lake Monster was... out in Buffalo too. Nice, I didn't know they know that <laughs> kind of reach.
2: Oh uh, no, I should have brought some though. I should have brought some. But what was it like for you guys? Because here's the one thing about being at the stadium, right? You you can't quite see the level of detail that you guys get to see on the screen. So, like, obviously, I know that. Justin Jefferson caught it but we had to kind of wait for like player reaction to really get that like and know for sure and then when we saw it on the on the screen then you you really realized how um awesome that catch was but for you guys what was it like just watching from home
0: Miles you can go first
1: yeah I, I was <laughs> so my kids were running around we were kind of like going crazy um and with that throw the the Justin Jefferson catch I don't think anybody knew in my house like if he caught it just the way it looked it was like <laughs> the ball went up I thought oh maybe it got picked just because the way it looked uh the DB ca- went up for the ball like he was going to pick it and so I was like oh and he had really good positioning and so I was like oh yeah you know I think it's going to be an interception game over that type of thing and then like they the way they rolled and then like stood up and then I hear the announcers like yell like he caught it and then you see the players in the field like run to the run to Mom. the line, and so that kind of like cued me I was like, "What well, did he actually catch that shit?" Like, I just like yeah. couldn't believe it. Um, and then obviously the replay came through, and you just saw how insane, how close the ball yeah. came to like hitting the ground, how how somehow the guy had two hands in the ball. JJ only had one, but JJ's like momentum was stronger because that you you'd have thought the guy's ability to yank the ball would have happened, but it didn't. And then my first thought, I told my wife the first thing I said when. The, even even before I knew JJ caught it the way the guy went up to catch it to intercept it I was like oh he should have just swatted that shit down it's fourth down mm-hmm. why would you even why would you even try to go for an interception playing hero ball like you need to you end the game and the field positioning is better if, if you know if JJ if nobody catches the ball and so yeah. I was that 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 was all like running through my head and then we finally caught it and I was like that dude that dude just <laughs> fucked his whole game up because yeah. I, I i was I didn't, I didn't know how the thing how anything was going to end after that but i was just it was just so insane how i was like okay the vikings really have a horseshoe because like i thought after the von miller sack on third down I'm like oh shit like here it comes you know like you know this is like the first time i was like i think i think this might be the one where we don't really like make make that noise that you know that we made the earlier in the season's all the one score games coming from behind all that stuff i was like i think we're going to fall short this time and <laughs> Which it would, really okay. it would have been like, yeah, okay. No, exactly. It would have been. Yeah. No, exactly. Like I think we all we all would have been like not like happy, but we would have been good with an outcome of like almost beating the Bills just because of the way that they played and we didn't expect them to going in to beat them beat them anyway. So I feel like we yeah. definitely that's a really good point, Ryan.
0: Yeah, I mean like twenty seven, twenty three, come back, you know, mounted a comeback, fell short. I, I would have been okay with that. We competed with, you know, what arguably one of the Super Bowl favorites, at least at that time. Um yeah, for me, it was, uh, it was an interesting game because I've been really working hard this year um, trying to maintain a positive attitude throughout the game. And as we're down 17 points, as you can imagine, it's probably pretty difficult. But again, I'm... You know, I'm sitting on the ground watching the game and I'm like, hey, we can still do this. We can still do this. Just chip away. Just chip away. And then, you know, you have your Dalvin touchdown. I'm I'm freaking out, um, you know, and then, and then you have the interception. Uh, of course, me getting a little upset throughout that drive of them going down the field, but and then uh, yeah. ending it with the with the interception there um, and, and then again going down the field. Making that incredible catch again, couldn't believe it. You know, your emotions are just going. I mean, it was a, a truly emotional roller coaster. Both my wife and I were both just like, "I'm tired," just from watching the game. Like, I'm emotionally exhausted. Um, And you know, because you had every emotion. You went from just ext- extreme excitement to he didn't get the he didn't get the touchdown. So just incredibly angry, right, that he couldn't get in to, oh, my gosh, we just scored a touchdown to uh, what, you know, that like refs, what are you doing? You have to you have to review that catch. There's no way that was a catch to, you know, them kicking a field goal. I mean, I, I think I smacked my hand into the ground a few times. Um, my arm was a little <laughs> sore the next day. Um, and then, yeah, going down, scoring, um, it was just, again, a huge range of emotions, super angry as they're driving down when we pick that ball off at the end. I go pick my wife up. I'm just elated. My kids are all just screaming. I'm screaming. It was a great family moment, actually.
2: Yeah, I'm going to address a comment here with, with Dustin. He asked if I got harassed at all by Bills fans. Um, most of them were actually okay um, during the game. I'd say a lot of people were just like, I, they were just frustrated after the game and, and and rightfully so. I mean, when when it's a back and forth like classic like that, someone's got to lose. Um someone's got to lose and, and and the Bills fans uh you know when we when we'd walk out on the concourse and high five, you know, other Viking fans, give they some- They could have tied.
1: They could have tied. Yeah.
2: It was to f off, but uh it it was it was okay. Um the uh the fun thing I will say and this is separate from from the Vikings here but uh it was it was really good to see Stefan Diggs on the field again like getting to watch him for a full
1: game um <laughs> are you leaving miles
2: you don't no, want to no, hear that I was
1: that? Just the, Tim- the Timberwolves game I was just checking the oh. Timberwolves game real quick <laughs> <laughs> Um,
2: and and honestly this this it doesn't hurt me to say it cuz I have no affiliation to either of these these men but um, I, I, I think going into this game, I still was pretty sure that Diggs was the better receiver. In one game, probably shouldn't sway that for for you. But uh, I don't know. It just felt like this this hand, handing off of a baton from Diggs to
1: Jefferson in that game, um, and and they think, both had unreal I, games. They both played really yeah. well, and they both had insane catches. Obviously, JJ's was like the bigger impact um, at the end of the game, but. Diggs's was huge in the fact that it was, like, third and 15. The Bills needed to, like, keep the drive going. So, um, yeah, we, we got to see two. Thing. Yeah, we did. We, like, yeah, you did. We got to see two superstars. Like, JJ's not even in his prime. Diggs is obviously in his prime. But we got to watch two superstars, like, battle. And it, that that was fun. Just, like, two guys that we both, like, obviously, Matt, you and I both, you know, obviously huge fans of. Ryan, who knows? Like, you're kind of weird about Oh, I I who you I, I
0: absolutely love both. Yeah, I mean neither one of <laughs> them went to Oklahoma, but I do love both of them uh, a ton. And um and I always I do always think back to this because this is – I think when we made that trade, it was like right as Thielen was on the downturn, right? Could we have traded Thielen instead of Diggs in that situation? Obviously Diggs wanted out, right? But just like hypotheticals, right? Imagine having these two guys on the same team. Now that would be insane.
2: Yeah. That uh, that, that doesn't needed. happen very much in the NFL, but uh, it, it was, it was very uh, enjoyable to watch Diggs kind of see him pregame out there on the field, uh, yucking it up with, with his former teammates, including Kirk cousins, which last week he, uh, he was on record saying it was not the QB. I don't know if you guys read the, the article with the athletic, but there was a good breakdown of kind of how that trade transpired um, with Rick Diggs's agent Diggs himself. Um, so <clears throat> I want to talk about, the defense quick uh, before Ben hops on and get your guys' takes on that because they started out the season pretty you know iffy right and they're learning a new scheme some of them um, it's a whole new defense you know for the whole team and I think there were a lot of questions about the defense but these last few weeks they've turned in some pretty good performances against some good teams and have been opportunistic. Uh, when it comes to the turnover and making clutch plays, Ryan, what are what are your overall thoughts on this defense and is it sustainable as we, we kind of get down to the, uh, the final run here of, 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 you know, trying to get to the playoffs.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't describe the defense as good. <clears throat> I don't think they played well, honestly, nope. I think they, they played clutch. They've made the plays they've needed to make in the key moments in games throughout the last few weeks. So letting up 30 points is never that that's not a sign of a good defense. even though like, you know, it is the bills, but you know, you, you don't want to be letting up 30 points against any team. Um, But again, you're, you're, you, they, they won the game for us, right? They got the yeah. game or they got the go ahead, touchdown. They got the game ceiling interception, right? So, they're, they're the ones that are making the key plays at the key moments to help us win these games, whether it's an interception to give us the ball back to take the go-ahead score, whether it's the, again, uh, winning the game or giving us a chance to really win the game with that, with that defensive touchdown. Um, so is that sustainable? Now, that's where, that's the key question, right? So can they just play good defense where they're locking teams down? Right? Where they're not needing to rely on an interception at the end of the game to give us a chance, but instead our offense operating efficiently so we have the lead and then them maintaining that ability for us to keep the lead by shutting teams down. Now that's what I want to see by playoff time. Uh, there's a lot of opportunity for them to continue to grow. To your point, they were Swiss cheese at the beginning of the year and they have... Grown immensely, I think, through this process as they all start to you know learn the system better. I mean, you've literally seen that from Hunter playing much better, Zedaria Smith maintaining a high level of um, competence at that position. Eric Kendricks looks more comfortable, um, and, and Patrick Peterson and, and Harrison Smith are making their way now too. Right, so you know, like all the key guys that you need to play well are starting to, I think, feel more comfortable in the system, and you're seeing that on mm-hmm. the field. Now let's get everyone else on par here. Um one of the one of the key things that I noticed during this game on defense, um, uh well actually uh, one player on each side of the ball, really, who were like two of the unsung heroes from this game in terms of just playing big in, in, in key moments here? Duke Shelley <laughs> it, with like the biggest pass breakup of the game. And I, I, would say ninety five percent of Vikings fans have no idea who Duke Shelley is. He came in for Andrew Booth. I don't. For, uh, I was listening to Doogie this morning, uh, and on he was on a pod last night. Um, he said Booth wasn't hurt, so I don't know if Booth got pulled because of poor play or if he was tired, whatever it was. But Duke Shelley came and knocked that pop, ball out of Dawson Knox's hands without getting a PI call, and then and then Blake Brandle on the other side having to step in for our All Pro left tackle Darissa and again he let up a sack but he played really really well for the most part um, so you know it, it's it's all about the, the the team dynamic and I think as a team they're growing they're all growing really well together especially on that defense
2: Miles when I when I brought up this topic of decent defense I saw you just kind of shaking your head uh, back there uh, are you're you kind of in the same boat as Ryan here on this defense
1: well, I I think this defense has gotten to a point where they're like definitely a bend don't break type defense. Of course, like the the Bills for three and a half quarters were going up and down the the field. Like, uh, obviously the turnovers created the 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 big difference, right? Which is that happens. Like if the Vikings can create turnovers to to like sway games like and and be the difference in games, that like keep doing it, please. But at the end of the day, that it's it's hard to sustain that. Um, and so like the margins for error in those situations make it more tough. Like if, if Josh Allen (laughs) doesn't go galaxy brain for like two plays and this is all hypothetical, right? Like he did do these things. So like, I'm going to give the Vikings defense credit for creating those turnovers. Like they did a great job creating like Patrick Peterson essentially baited Josh Allen into that game winning interception. That was great. Like that's a veteran savvy move that like earlier in the season, I was a little bit, I still, I still like. Have some worries about um, Patrick Peterson's like uh, man skills, like in, in man coverage. Um, but overall, like when he gets to play, his you know his um, his face to the quarterback and gets to play zone defense and, and can bail and and read the quarterback. I think you're not going to find you know a better cornerback in the league that can do that right now than than how smart Patrick Peterson is. And so he's playing like it too, and you can see the confidence it's raising week in and week out. And a guy like him, even for his you know a little bit older in age and and you know a future hall of famer type player um if his conference is up like he might as well be an all-pro player right now because that's that's the type of player he is when he's when his confidence there so um to watch him do that um on sunday against josh allen was was a lot of fun um and i so i think i'm, I'm just excited to see how he continues to play hopefully we need him to stay healthy because obviously cam dancer got hurt caleb evans got hurt you know andrew booth obviously so green like that dude's um, was getting worked by Diggs a little bit, which shouldn't be surprising. <laughs> like it's the fond Diggs, you know they put him out, you know, in front of him for a reason. Um, and, well, and, and Diggs, you Diggs, Diggs worked too. Patrick
0: Peterson too. I mean, yeah, he, he yeah, turned right. Patrick right. Peterson on a turnstile too. I mean, when you're going against the best route runner in the league and you're a rookie, yeah, yeah. Uh, all he's doing is making sure he's not getting beat deep. He's letting him have those, have right. those underneath routes and trying to make the tackle, which he didn't do. And luckily, he had right. teammates helping.
1: But yep. But but um, last part here is, like, so if the most important players, you have Daniel Hunter and, and Z'Darrius Smith, I could probably throw Harrison Phillips into that. Harrison Phillips or Dalvin Tomlinson, I think one of those two guys. Like, you need to have at least one of those two guys running the running the D-line. Um, the two edge rushers I just mentioned, Eric Hendricks, Harrison Smith, and then you've got Patrick Peterson. Those are by far the – like, I know that's, like, majority of the defense, but, like, if those guys are healthy, you have a chance every week because those guys are the most important players on your defense, and they're the best players on your defense. So, um, And then, obviously, you have guys like Jordan Hicks playing pretty well, Cam Bynum, um, and, you know, some of those guys. So, um, excited just to see how the defense continue to progress. But, um, yeah, I I would say that they did a really good job overall, even though though the Bills kind of worked them up and down the field the first half of the game for sure. Perfect. Well, we are now joined
2: by Ben Gessling of the Star Tribune – you can catch him over there or on his podcast, Access Vikings, uh, with Andrew Kramer. Ben, what a fun season. Did we just lose him? I think we might have just lost him here for a second. So we'll give him a, a hot second to to come back here. Um, but yes, Ben Gessling, uh, Star Tribune. If you don't follow him already, at Ben Gessling on Twitter, um, he is the Star Tribune's Uh, vikings beat reporter you can find him on kfan as well um and he does do a podcast with uh with andrew kramer called access vikings uh through the star tribune so that is a a fun one to be on there we go we got him back that's better (laughs) ben how are you how has how has this season been um Covering the the eight and one Vikings, which is a weird, weird thing to say.
3: I mean, it's been a lot different. It's, uh, I mean, everything <laughs> about it has been different in just about any way you could imagine. I mean, on the field, off the field, um, how they do things, how they, I mean, pick an area, it's different. Everything about it has been a lot different than last year. And certainly the results have been different too. So, um, yeah, you've heard the heard a lot of players kind of talk about it being refreshing and just um kind of nice to have a change. I think that's been yeah. part of it, but uh so far what they're doing is working, which obviously makes everybody uh even more excited about the this change of pace and how it's going. You've been on a lot of, of podcasts
2: today. Uh I saw you this morning on on Up in Adams with Kay Adams and Yep. Uh how was, how was that show? How was, how was it? Uh, I, I saw you guys talking about just sort of the, the culture of the Minnesota Vikings. And so wondering if you have anything else to add on, on kind of what you talked about on that show this morning.
3: Well, yeah, I mean, it, you know, we can get into it. It's um, you know, I, I did that one. And then we did our, our access Vikings podcast this afternoon. So you guys are, are the, <laughs> uh, the encore act for the day, um, the after party, whatever you want to call it. Um well, it was, what do you want to know? I mean, culture-wise, you've been through
2: Leslie Frazier, Mike Zimmer, and now (laughs) Kevin O'Connell. I I guess we'll start with the the major differences between Zimmer and O'Connell. Obviously we know that Zimmer's a little bit more old school. Connell is more, you know, embracing, um, maybe open-minded would be a a good term to describe him. Um, But what have you noticed, you know, in the locker room with this team, um, with Kev- Kevin O'Connell at the at the helm.
3: Well, I think you know one of the things that sticks out early with him is there is. I mean, he talks a lot about player empowerment, and I think that's certainly part of it. It there is less of a um a thing where if guys make a mistake. They're they're not as worried about going back to the sideline and am I gonna get barked at? Am I gonna get pulled from the game? I mean, you know, we we would joke about it in the press box, but the Zimmer hook with guys you know, they make a mistake. George Iloka, I mean Andrew Kramer and I still talk about <laughs> this. He made a mistake in a game and he basically was never seen again. So I mean they, they had the, a guy would would mess up in coverage and they'd get benched, and it could be for a game, it could be they lose their spot. Uh, you haven't seen those things with O'Connell to the same degree. Now, could you go too far that way? Sure. I mean, I think that the one everybody's probably wondering about at the moment is the kicker. <laughs> you know, at what point is the leash going to run out for him? But I think there is more of a a feeling of hey, we've got your back. There's less probably of a reactionary thing. Um, I mean, even today, O'Connell said we're not going to practice because we've got two games in the next eight days. And I want you guys to be fresh. I want you to kind of be back to kind of whatever work you still need to do to come down from the emotional roller coaster of Sunday. Let's do that. And Zimmer, I think it would have been, we are going to get back to normal by working. And that's not, you know, that that worked certainly at times. I mean, they, they had a lot of success under him and, and I think, uh, you yeah, know, he probably just ran out of steam towards the end, but, You've seen differences, I think, in that approach. There, there's much more of a focus on, let's emphasize having players fresh on Sundays. Let's do more work, um, whether it's in walkthroughs, jog throughs, in meetings, and less of it probably on the practice field. I think that's different. I think the relationship with Kirk Cousins is a lot, is a lot different between this head coach and the previous head coach. Um, you know, you kind of go down the list. I mean the stuff on the planes you would not have seen in the past. You know, even things like recognizing guys for winning um, NFC defensive player of the week or NFC offensive player of the week, like Justin Jefferson did or uh, statistical achievements. I, I think you see more recognition of individual things that are important to players that you probably didn't see as much under Mike Zimmer so that you really can kind of pick an area and it's quite a bit different. I mean, really all of it you're in the building every day and there's just a it's just a a very different feeling
1: (laughs) refreshing definitely Ben can you can you expand a little bit more on the like Cousins O'Connor relationship I know it's been talked about ad nauseum over the like last 9 10 12 months but um my question for you is more around so we there's times like Kirk Cousins right now is is throwing more I I guess you could say like interception worthy throws than what we've seen in the, in the past five years, you know, as a Minnesota Viking, um, there was times where Mike Zimmer would say, hey, Kirk, loosen the reins a little bit more, open it up a little bit more, take more chances. But we know how Mike Zimmer is in that, like, if he had done it too much, it definitely would have become too much for Zimmer. But O'Connell seems okay with the, like, a little bit more of that mix and match, you know, take the chances when you need to. Can you expand a little bit more on, like, maybe how we're seeing? Because at times with under Zimmer, Kirk wouldn't take those chances at all. And yeah. and under O'Connell, he definitely seems way more comfortable, and it not and it's not so much self defeating when he does throw some of those, you know, crazy interceptions like we even what we saw on on Sunday against Buffalo.
3: Yeah, I mean, I I think some of it is probably how he's being coached in the system. I mean, they're they've talked more about kind of wanting him to read things high to low, probably a little bit more than what we would have seen in the in the previous system. I, I think you would have probably seen a little more left to right type of reading on past patterns in the past. That's some of it. Um, I Yeah, I generally think—I mean, Cousins is somebody, and I've said this, that is not ever going to be—he's not going to take the Aaron Rodgers approach to the position. What I mean by that is he's never going to say, I don't care, or— I, I'm at least not going to play the position exactly the way you head coach want it done because I'm Aaron Rodgers. I know better. I'm going to put my own spin on the offense. I'm gonna kind of change things how I I see it done. Cousins cares a lot about the way the coach wants the position played, and he wants to spend the time to play the position the way he is coached to do it. So whoever's coaching him in the moment, I think. Has a fairly large influence on how he's going to go about it. So if he's got Kevin O'Connell saying, hey, I'm and Kevin O'Connell said this, I'm proud of you for throwing that ball that he threw at the end of the first half in Washington, even though it got intercepted. He said that's okay because this is the matchup we were looking for. We wanted to get Justin Jefferson on one on one. We're going to take our chances that most of the time Jefferson's going to come down with that ball. In fact, he had one earlier in the half against Benny St. Juice that. Was a touchdown kind of on a similar setup. So I think for the most part, there's a little more willingness to say, Hey, uh, we're going to take our chances here on balance. We like you doing that more often than not because, I mean, heck, you saw it Sunday. I mean, Justin Jefferson, according to Next Gen Stats, <laughs> nine of his 10 catches were below 50% really probability, which was the most they've ever charted. And, you know, is there a line to that? I asked O'Connell up right after the game. He said, yeah, there's a line. But on balance, I think they feel like when you've got a guy that – Chip Scoggins and I were watch, re-watching in the, in the media room today, and towards they had the end of the game back on NFL Network. We were watching it back, and it's just like – it was as if Jefferson said, I, we're not losing this game. I'm not going to yeah. let us lose this game. I'm going to come down with everything – that comes anywhere near me if it's the last thing I do. I mean, you know, you had the, obviously the, the fourth and 18, but the the catch he makes later on that drive where he gets, you know, kind of grabbed as he comes through the route and gets hit in the middle of the air, kind of comes down sideways and lands awkwardly, put him on the three yard line. There was just a lot of moments in that game where it just, it felt like this is my ball and I'm not letting you have it. So I think they feel like, if if your offense is based on giving that guy a chance uh, it's a better way to live than to try to you know kind of freeze him out or at least be overly cautious in a way that does freeze him out we've seen that we saw that in December we've seen that at times this year i think they have kind of tried to say we need to get this guy the ball and we'll figure yeah. the rest of it out.
1: Real quick Ryan before hey. before you jump in i just wanted to one more question about like Kirk Cousins in the offense obviously statistically his numbers aren't the same as but they've yep. been like his numbers like he was a top 5 top 10 PFF graded quarterback you know last 4 years curious like obviously the Vikings are 8 and 1 so like i couldn't care less about Kirk's overall like PFF numbers right now they're 8 and 1 they're playing well enough but like that's always been a big talking point about around Kirk Cousins is like oh well the numbers are there the team's not winning but the numbers are there the numbers aren't quite there this year which is obviously they're 8 and 1 can you expand a little bit more and like do you In my opinion, I don't feel like this offense is a best fit for Kirk Cousins. I think the Gary Kubiak style was like the best fit for Kirk Cousins. But I was curious, like your thoughts on like him under O'Connell and him within this offense and how he expands to like, obviously, they're still successful because they're winning. And obviously, Justin Jefferson helps erase everything else. Just curious your thoughts on that.
0: This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito-Lay. Just go to
2: frito SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void prohibitive. Here's worth the snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com.
3: Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I mean, I, I think there were certainly a lot of things in the Kubiak system, certainly the play-action stuff and right. the bootleg stuff. We don't see as much of that in this scheme. They are asking him probably to make more throws that – you know, you talked about it. Could be turnover-worthy plays, and we've seen the interceptions up a little bit now. A couple of those were just bad interceptions in Philadelphia. The one last week was not very good. I mean, I, I still, I haven't asked him about that play. I, I love to know. Like, did you see color flash out of the corner of your eye? And you think it was your receiver? I, because that's almost how it looked. Like he thought, yeah. okay, I've got a guy over here, and I'm going to throw it. Um, I mean, statistically, it's not been as good, but. You also, I think, you would not have won that game last week if he didn't make some of those throws where it's like, "Hey, I we got to have it. I got to take a chance right here." I mean, I I think the one I'm trying to remember where it was in the game, but he's on the right hash, and he basically throws it blind. The protection's breaking down. He throws it blind to the opposite side of the field. Jefferson catches it. It's like that is a that's a big boy throw. I mean, yeah, you that was
1: overtime. I think that was early overtime. It was that was overtime, Yeah.
3: Yeah. There's so many things that happen in the game. It's hard to keep track I know. Of it's crazy. It's just crazy. like five games in one. Dan chimes in. This is actually a good point. Uh, the garbage time stuff to pad stats has not been there. Uh, there. There has been a lot of times in the past, especially last year, where they're playing from behind, playing soft defenses. Right. That's probably true. Um, that's a really good point. I hadn't, I hadn't stopped to think about that. But, uh, yeah, I mean – I I just, I I think when you watch the way he's playing the position, and I'd be curious to kind of hear what scouts think of this, because there's so much of a narrative around him that, I mean, he made some throws on Sunday, whether it's that one, or the one that really caught my eye, it was like three minutes left in regulation, he's got two defenders coming at him, he basically evades two guys, resets, it was like a six yard pass to KJ Osborne, not a, a huge deal, but he put that ball in a pretty tight window after evading two guys, resetting, and throwing it dart. I mean that that sort of stuff is uh, not something we've seen him do in the past. And I, you know, those types of plays in close games make a difference. I think so. Um, yeah, he feels more yeah.
1: comfortable in the pocket. At least he seems that way.
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, uh, I and, and- I'm writing about it for a little bit later this week. But yeah, he he had quite a few thoughts on that. Uh, both in the press conference. And I caught up with him a little bit afterwards, too. So there'll be more on that coming later this week.
0: Sweet. And, and to your point earlier, Ben, I'm going to bring up two thing, two comments that you had kind of made earlier, um, if I can remember them. But then the first one is around Kirk Cousins and um, that that interception he threw in Washington, right? So, you know, that's a mistake. Obviously, it's kind of a fluky mistake, right? You have a one-on-one matchup against with your best receiver it goes off his chest bounces into the defend uh, like the not even the guy defending him but a different defender's arm who came in on the play super funky. Yeah. i'm excited that, at the fact that he didn't remember that and say i'm done making those one-on-one throws right yeah. like the very next game he goes and throws the exact same play to justin jefferson for a touchdown in the first drive this year uh this last week um and, and it's just very exciting to kind of see that right um so going off topic here i we had a comment that came in from uh, from dustin and i it was going to be the comment that i was going to or a question i was going to ask you as well actually is is just around some of the injuries right so we've had a lot of good injury luck so far this year in terms of not losing key contributors to on this team dancer was the first domino to fall there well i guess dalvin tomlinson probably was yeah. um yeah. and then so I was hoping to see if you had any injury updates on Tomlinson. Um, obviously, we lost Darrell last week, a Caleb Evans last week, um, and and then it is um, oh, and then Zedaria Smith, and yeah. now of course Justin Jefferson ha- pops up with the toe. So, is yeah. there any information you have around any sort of those guys? Can we be optimistic that they might play this week? Uh, what are your thoughts on all of that?
3: I don't think. You need to be terribly worried about Zadarius Smith or Justin Jefferson. Um, you know, Jefferson popped up today, and they didn't practice in full today, so we'll see what that looks like. But my hunch would be that he's okay. I mean, given the fact that they even they even had him limited and not completely out on a Wednesday, uh, he dealt he still did get some work in today. So, and Zadarius Smith, they're gonna that they're gonna have to manage that all year. I mean that that's still kind of the nagging. It was that knee contusion stuff that he had early in the year um, bothered him in London. That was kind of a a concern going to the London game. So they're going to have that. I mean, they're going to have to kind of figure out how to manage that through the week. So you're going to see probably practices where he sits out or does limited work. I mean, that, that stuff's going to be there. I don't expect they will be without him on Sunday, at least as it stands at this point, I would think that we probably are looking at the same thing for Jefferson. I don't think they're at risk of missing him. I do not expect they're going to push Dalvin Tomlinson terribly hard to come back before he's fully ready because they are are kind of taking the long view. And even that is a little bit different. I mean, you, you can think of so many times with the previous regime where it was, okay, Dalvin Cook, I remember 2018, every week, it was, well, we got a limited pitch count for him, hamstring kind of thing. And it was so you know, much the same thing every week where he went to Adam Thielen the next year and said, you got a hamstring. Shut it down. Don't try to come back too early. Just let the thing heal up. There is more, I think, of a a long view on some of these things where it's... And you can do that, I suppose, too, when you're 8-1 and and you're saying, we're going to be playing in January. It's not we have to play with our hair on fire just to try to keep our season alive and then we worry about the rest of it later. I don't think you're going to see Tomlinson this week for that reason. I think they are getting there with him, but I don't think they want to rush him back Evans and saw. I mean, it's concussion stuff. We'll have to see how it goes. O'Connell has been fairly transparent with injury stuff for the most part, but with the concussions, he doesn't want to uh, kind of project and and put, I think, because he's aware that if he says it as a coach that I expect this guy's going to play, it puts a little bit of pressure on that player and then the training staff to have that player ready. So I, I think he, especially with concussions, has tried to sit out of those things, you know, and he's talked a little bit about some of his own experiences in that regard as a player and, you know, having like, I I can't remember how many he had as a player, but he's certainly been around it enough to see like, Hey, this is not something to screw around with.
1: So I think what the league league is at with concussions too right now. For sure.
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah. I mean, the two attack of a protocol certainly changes some of those things. And obviously the Vikings were, probably directly benefited from that in the sense that that came right before they played them. And and the dolphins kind of, I think knew that the league was watching them fairly closely. I mean, even the the way they handled things with Teddy Bridgewater that week, they were awfully cautious. So yeah, it is certainly a, it's a, it's a front burner issue. And I, I don't think they're going to be overly pushy to get those guys back. I mean, we'll see how it goes throughout the week, but that's my hunch on that. I mean, Dara saw, you'd certainly like to have him with that pass rush and the number of guys they throw at it. But Blake Brandle did fine on Sunday. But, um, you know, Derisaw right now is playing as well as any left tackle in the league. So you'd certainly like to have him uh, before that game on Sunday.
0: Uh, and, and and one other quick follow-up uh, to that, Ben, is uh, at the end of the game uh, this last week, uh, obviously Evans went out with the concussion uh, and, and Andrew Booth came in. And then yeah. the last two plays of the game, we saw Duke Shelley. So some people were speculative of, is Andrew Booth hurt? He didn't look hurt after the game. It looked like he was having a good time uh, celebrating after that. Uh, so do you, did you at all get any insight as to why Duke Shelley was in the game over Booth? Is it poor play? Is it he needed a breather? Is it an injury? Uh, anything that, that came from that?
3: You know, I don't know. I, I haven't asked that question and I haven't really had a chance to get to the bottom of it. I mean, it was kind of one of those things where, you know, as I wrote something in the paper the other day about towards the end of those games, sometimes when I'm scrambling to get my story done, my my view of all the little details at the end of a game is probably not. They're probably My view of it is probably not as good as people that are watching on TV because I'm trying to do like three things at once. Um So, you know, my head kind of popped up and like, Duke Shelley's in there and he just saved the game. So, uh, you know, kind of a where the heck did he come from? But, yeah, I'd have to go back and look and see if it was a package thing or if they weren't happy with the way Andrew Booth was playing. Um, I don't believe he got hurt. Uh, He didn't show up on the injury report today. So if there was something going on, in addition to some of the things he said earlier this year, I think we would have seen that today. They would have had to list something. If there was any type of injury that would cause him to miss any practice, um, yeah, that that's going to be interesting to watch because it, it, yeah, was, a,
0: it, it was a weird right. deal. I mean, I was rewatching the game today, probably similar to you, right? And um, I was rewatching that, that like literally that final sequence, and I, and I even like backed up and was like, okay, why is Shelly in the game? So I like went through the, the last few plays. I'm like, okay, Booth's in here. He didn't, you know, he lost a rep to digs who he in here. They didn't throw his way. Like what happened there? So I was like, no. maybe he's just tired or maybe because of that. Cause I mean, he got worked by digs quite a few times. <laughs> and so yeah. maybe they were just like, all right, let's try this other guy. And he came in and made a, one of the biggest plays of the game. Honestly, uh, breaking up I the, the touchdown past the Knox. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I mean, I, you know, that, that ball when Allen threw it and that was coming right towards us where we sit in the stadium and that end zone was uh, the, the press box at Highmark stadium is, is kind of in the end zone just off in the corner. Um, so that was coming right at us when that happened. And uh, yeah, I, when he threw it, I thought mm, that's got a chance to be a touchdown. So yeah, Shelley made a heck of a play to break that up. <laughs> and then obviously they lived to fight on and, and Patrick Peterson picks it off and ends the game. So yeah, that's uh, certainly worth watching because their their cornerback depth right now is uh, it's being tested. I mean, everybody goes through that at some point during the year. Every, I think everybody ends up getting their cornerback depth tested to some degree. But uh, yeah, it's a it's an issue right now, and certainly this is a team that's going to stress you in the secondary with Dak Prescott and Ceedee Lamb and and some of the other guys they have. Uh, before we before we let you go, I,
2: I have a, a quick question. Um, And then just hoping to snag your prediction for Sunday's game. I feel like O'Connell has sort of been prepping fans for adversity. And and I'm not talking about like the adversity we face in games, but almost just like he understands the nature of the NFL and that wins are hard to come by. And to be eight and one at this point is, is a difficult thing to do and losses are bound to come. How do you think this team will respond to an eventual loss, uh, you know, this season outside of the one from Philly.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I think thats that's been something he's talked about quite a bit. And I talked to Wes Phillips about that when I was doing my profile of O'Connell before the season. And O'Connell talked about it, that when his name started to come up for jobs last year, it was in the middle of that Rams losing streak where they didn't win a game for like a month. I
1: mean, mm-hmm. they lost
3: I think, to the Packers, the Titans the 49ers, and they had a bye in the middle of all of that. So O'Connell was kind of like, my name's coming up for these jobs, but we did got to figure out if we're going to be able to make the playoffs, given that the fact that that division, the Cardinals got off to such a good start last year, and the 49ers were in the mix, obviously ending up in the NFC title game. So I I think Wes Phillips has talked about this too, that when they got through that stretch last year, it was, we are not going to panic. We believe in what we're doing. We're not going to sit here and overreact to one or two losses. We, we're we going to get back at it and trust that our process is good enough to get us where we want to go. And ultimately, they were vindicated in that approach. But yes, I mean, he's talked a lot about, See, you know, he talks culture a lot. And everybody kind of dismisses it, at least I think they had, uh, as just kind of happy talk. Okay, sounds like a excited new manager at work that's fresh out of getting an MBA and he's learned all the business jargon. I mean, you you can kind of look at it that way. But he's talked about this and said, this is where this stuff gets tested. This is where all of the culture stuff, all of the work we do to kind of get everybody on the same page. That's where it pays off when those things don't turn into people pointing fingers, uh, people kind of Saying, I'm going to get mine, I'm not going to worry about you know, doing my job so that the guy next to me can do his. That kind of stuff, I think, is where they feel like the culture pays off and that's where it really gets tested. So, yeah, I, I think he is preparing them for that. Um, I think he's preparing fans for that as well because odds are they're going to lose a game at some point. I mean, you, you have to figure they're going to have a bad day. They've gotten a lot of bounces that have gone their way. They may not get them the entire way, and obviously you'd rather have that happen in November, December than in January, certainly in a, in a playoff game. But yeah, I, I, odds are they're not going to get through these next three. I I don't know that I would, even though they're all at home. I don't think I would sit here and put a ton of money on them running through that stretch without a hiccup. I mean, it, you know, it's it's certainly very possible that they're going to lose one at some point. They, they may not, but. Um, Yeah, I I think if you're being realistic, you have to consider that as a possibility. So, yeah, I think he is trying to do some of that. And, um, you know, kind of with this idea that we can't expect that everything's going to be this easy and then panic the second it's not. You have to assume that some of this is going to be really difficult. Mm -hmm. And being realistic about that, I think, is part of where you say, okay. You know, this didn't this didn't knock us off of our axis that much. It's we expected this; it could happen. And let's deal with it and get back to work. So, with that, then, what do you think uh, will happen
2: on Sunday in at U.S. Bank Stadium?
3: Well, I mean, I'm you know, I feel like I'm I haven't written my prediction for the paper yet, and and uh, Dan <laughs> Barrow usually asked me this on Friday too. But Andrew and I were talking about this today; like we're we're doing these things earlier in the, earlier in the week. I, we both agree they're going to win. Um, I it's it's an interesting one in the sense that the Cowboys obviously have a lot of weapons: Tony Pollard, Ceedee Lamb, and Dalton Schultz, um, Michael Gallup. I mean, they've certainly got enough guys that would scare you, especially if you're short in the secondary and dealing with that pass rush. I mean, this is why making predictions on a Wednesday is a little bit difficult because <laughs> if you're, if you're left tackle or is Blake Brandle, your left tackle? I think that changes things when it's you know. Um, Micah Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence, all the other pass rushers the Cowboys have, which is a, a pretty deep group, that probably changes things to some degree. Um, but I, I generally think if you can protect Cousins, you can throw on this secondary. They're, you know, Trayvon Diggs takes a lot of chances. If You can beat him. This is a team that plays a lot of man coverage. Andrew brought this up on our podcast today. They play a lot of cover one. And we have seen Justin Jefferson feast on man coverage when he's gotten it this year. And I think if you get that, it's also a team that's given up two hundred something rushing yards each of the last two games. So if you get Dalvin Cook going like they did in the second half, I O'Connell said it too. They didn't do a good enough job getting him involved early in the game. I think they'll try to do more of that to, you know, probably also keep that Cowboys offense off the field. But yeah, I think they win. Um Andrew said this is the first one that is not close. I don't know that I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Team, I also have just resigned myself to the fact that my game story that I filed the gun every week is just going to be frantic. It's going to make me draw on five years of covering 90, 100 lost baseball teams that blew leads all the time. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm kind to just resign to that, but I think it's close. But yeah, I, I think also being at home, I think that they feed off of that. I think the crowd's going to be pretty turned up for a late afternoon start against a team that – I, you guys can tell me this probably better than I could say it on my own, but my guess would be if you're ranking teams, Vikings fans hate the most. The Packers obviously are number one. <laughs> I would submit the Cowboys maybe number two. Uh, I put I put Saints there. The Saints probably are in there more recently, but Saints it, you know, Eagles Cowboys. Yeah, yeah. Historically, yeah. for sure,
2: for his, sure.
0: His, yeah, I was say right. yeah. If we're, if we're talking '90s, yeah, because the Cowboys wrecked in the '90s, and they for had sure. that Hirsch Walker trade. But I, <laughs> more recently, I think we have a few yeah. other ones that we've grown to hate recently.
3: Yeah, Saints and Eagles in the playoffs certainly have been right. all, better. The Saints lately in the playoffs, but yeah, two thousand nine, <laughs> two
0: thousand seventeen,
3: certainly part of it. But the the whole Cowboys thing, yeah. I mean, it, yeah. it's very.
0: I mean they're yeah. like the Yankees, right? Like everyone hates them.
3: <laughs> well, again, they are they haven't won anything much like the Yankees recently too. So, uh, <laughs> there we <I've> go. <laughs> made it the Super Bowl since uh 1995. So, I mean after the 95 season was the last time they have even been to one. Obviously great great dynasty in the 90s, but uh, have not have not won much of anything since I I'm trying to think if they've even been to an NFC title game since then.
1: Since I don't 95. think they have. Yeah, no, they yeah. haven't. Division playoffs yeah, must football. suck. Must suck, man. Must really suck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure.
0: I'm sure they're hating their five Super Bowls and, and, and yeah. yeah.
1: Well, but the
3: expectations are pretty high now, oh, here, yeah. so people yeah, are sure. are um, irritated that they it's been this long since they've been back. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's always well, yeah. You know, a few people are coming in here and saying the Cowboys are, are high on the list, so. Um, yep. Yeah, older older fans. Fans. <laughs> uh, yeah. I get a. I still get a lot of Drew Pearson pushed off tweets during.
0: Uh,
2: <laughs> so we'll, yeah. we'll send you an obligatory one this weekend, just so you can have yeah, it in your cool. in your I'm, mentions. Something
1: about Katan and, uh, <laughs> all Well, and I'm sure with the way the games have gone this year for the Vikings, something crazy is going to happen at some point in this game. So we might be able to chuck that up into history books too. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean, you know, the ref
3: takes out Cam Bynum. <laughs> I thought that was going to be the weirdest thing you'd see, and that was not the weirdest thing in uh, this month. <laughs> so,
2: well, Ben, I want to I want to thank you for for hopping on tonight. I know we've been chatting about getting you back on, so I yeah. appreciate you taking some time here. Um, yeah, anything it's fun. you want to shout out before you you hop off? I know you said you were working on an article. Yeah, Are you at least I'm drinking?
1: Not- are you at least drinking tonight, Ben? I am not. I was
3: uh, I just playing categories with my kids. Uh, oh, okay, well, that's yeah. the best. That's um, way better. Way better. <laughs> yeah. way I thought better. I had it locked up, and my wife rallied to tie me in the last <laughs> round. It's kind of <laughs> about that. You know, it's the wordsmith in the house. You figure, okay, I typically win these things, but she she has a journalism degree too, so she caught up to me uh, in that regard kind of a little mad about that but you know whatever <laughs> um, maybe i'll drown my Charles with a beer there afterwards but uh no yeah just writing writing for later in the week about um cousins and some of the pocket present stuff that that's stuck out to me quite a bit in the last couple of weeks and um just being a little more willing to to make plays with his feet in ways that he can do it so talk to him about that a little bit today and so i have a little bit more on that uh, later in the week so saturday well, I love- I, an insider on saturdays and that'll be this week's sweet look Perfect.
2: forward to to reading it so thank you very much again and yeah. uh we'll be sure to
3: connect uh in the future uh, and get you back on here yeah. yeah always always fun to do it so thanks for having me guys thank you ben thanks ben, hey, ben. that's ben
2: Gessling, star tribune access vikings you can see him on or listen to him on KFan with dan Barrero. Um, a little bit a little longer than that than I expected but that's great I'm, I'm, I'm happy that Ben gave us that time so let's just round this show out quick with uh, some predictions for Sunday.
0: Hey, hey Matt can I jump in real quick I know we're it's... trying to wrap this up and I get let's it. Let's do it uh, quick. Just a couple couple real quick comments here just because <clears throat> we really appreciate everyone who actually chimes in and, and <clears throat> uh, mentions you know comments here in the in the comment section and are listening live so Miles or Matt, you know, can either one of you answer this? Like, how? Well, here, why don't we start with this, Matt, because you tweeted about this today. So I'm going to give you the opportunity to talk about an Oklahoma player tonight. Um, Sean, uh, Sean, had mentioned where is where is Brian Osamoa right now? Excited to see uh, uh, that guy. See that guy progress. His lateral quickness is special. You put out a tweet uh, today about Brian Osamoa. So can you talk I'll, about I'll that a little bit kind of what he's been doing. I'll say something
2: quick, and then and then we'll move on. Uh, Brian Asamoah is a rookie playing special teams. He is playing really well, in my opinion. Um, and I think there's a chance for him to eventually see the starting lineup. But when you have Jordan Hicks and Eric Kendricks playing the way they have the past few weeks, it's going to be hard to see him uh, in the lineup. But, uh, yeah, if, if you want to see some fun plays, uh, I know people don't normally watch kickoffs and punt returns, but watch Brian Asamoah. Because uh, that dude plays with a lot of fire on that unit. so
0: Love it. Thank, uh, and thanks for that question, Sean. And then one last one. Uh, skull T-Y-A catch. Uh, Miles, can you answer this one? How are the Cowboys favored right now? Uh, they're minus one.
1: I think you, you listened to Doogie too, didn't you? Um, on, yeah, I did. Uh, on score. So honestly, I think this could be a Vegas thing. They want people to bet this game. So you, you bet the, the Cowboys the favor, even though the Vikings are eight and one at home, you're gonna get more people to play the Vikings um on that number. Uh, what was it minus two? Cowboys minus one two. The, so minus I one think
0: now
1: that's minus one now. But it was minus two, I think, you know, at the end of the game. Was, yeah. Like end of Sunday or Monday or whatever it was. So I think you get you're gonna get more people um leaning toward the Vikings and, and betting the Vikings there because that's an obvious should be an obvious like play. And so Vegas is just I think putting it out there to get people to Put money on it. That's just probably easy money for them because, you know, they're gonna expect, you know, most people are gonna take the Vikings there. So um that, that's why the line's starting to shift, as you can see. You know, already mm-hmm. the minus one. I would assume by Sunday it might even be even or even, you know, sh- favor the Vikings at that point. So um that's why I think it is. Um I don't think it should be, but Vegas wants to make their money and if people if the, they're gonna favor the Vikings by three, why would anybody take that take that money yeah. besides cowboy fans? So
2: what, what do you predict in miles for Sunday's game?
1: 26, 25. <laughs> <Vikings>? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I mean, that's just the way the, like, dude, I can predict whatever and the Vikings are going to surprise me either way. Um, <laughs> so like, I just say that like, as like tongue in cheek, but like, honestly, like 27, 24 Vikings. Um, okay. But I, I do think it's going to be one of those, like it's one of those games just coming off the the bills game and how crazy shit's been. It wouldn't surprise me if this was like the week that they lost a the game, um, and I'd be okay with it. Like, no matter how the game goes, we're at a point where, like, I I'll be okay if the Vikings lose because they're eight one, and so if they give one up to a a good Cowboys team coming off a tough loss to the Packers, I wouldn't be surprised. Okay, but I, I'm taking I'm still taking the Vikings either way because I can't Ryan, I'm at a point where Ryan, I, can't, I can't bet against them. How about you, Ryan?
0: I kind of feel the same way as Miles. Um, I, I'm thinking a little higher scoring than that. I, I'm going to go 30, 34, 31. Okay. I,
2: uh, I, w- I was kind of waiting again this week for a, a, a message from you, Ryan, or even Dave, on how close I was. Uh, I So I predicted the the, the Washington game perfectly. And then last week, I predicted 38-30 Vikings, and it was 33-30. So that, I mean, that's pretty damn close. Um, so I feel Not like close I'm kind enough, of on
0: man. A, You're, you only get credit if you actually hit it.
2: I feel like I'm I'm getting kind of close or, or hitting a little bit of a hot streak here. But um, I don't know. There's something about Sunday, the excitement. Um, I I hope this team can can navigate through it. Um, I think they might come out a little slow and potentially Dallas could take the lead and we're fighting to come back again. But uh, this team is, like I've said, opportunistic and in clutch. And uh, I, I do think they pull this one off. I'm going to go 30 to 27. I'm going to keep it there. Vikings, Vikings win. So um, that was almost my prediction. So good, good one. I like it. <laughs> Uh, That's all I have tonight. Uh, Next week is going to be a little bit different of a show. We'll have probably two different recordings uh, to air next Wednesday night. I don't think we will be live, um, but we're working with uh, Chad Graff, former writer and beat reporter for the Vikings at the athletic, who now covers the new England Patriots and uh, Jordy McElroy, who is the editor for the Patriots wire out in new England. So we'll look to get those two, uh, on here and get their uh, their thoughts on the upcoming matchup for Thanksgiving. Um, otherwise, that's it. Thank you guys. Thank you to our sponsors. thank you to everyone in the chat. and uh, skull Vikings. Like, subscribe,
1: and ring the bell, and feel free to rate us on your favorite aggregator. A big shout out goes to our partners. The Daily Norseman, where the best Vikings content can be found. To that's badass wood art, when you're looking for something unique to brighten your space. And to Lake Monster Brewing, home of the best beer in Minnesota. Skull, everybody!